So, Julie, I've been thinking a lot about time, mm-hmm. the nature of time, mm-hmm. the journey of time, the rivers of time, the wrinkles in time. If you could turn back time. Um, if I could find a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, like, what else is going on in 1945? Well, we obviously um, in the show haven't reached the point where the war is over, but that's coming. Mm-hmm. Um. Aaron said that, oh, sorry, Janine said that that's, this is when Band of Brothers happens too, which he's watching. Uh, well, Band of Brothers. That's still World War II. Yeah. World War II ends. That's yeah. huge. That's the biggest it's thing of 1945. All, of, all about that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What else? What else? Um, well, there was um, a certain city. A certain city? Yeah. Um, that had a certain sports club. Yeah. And, and what, and what they, sports club? They they went somewhere very important in 1945. Someplace worldly. Someplace worldly, like of the world. Like of the world. Yeah. Like, like in the world. And it wasn't just once. It was a series of events. It was a worldly series. Mm-hmm. And this ball club went there and then didn't go back. They, they, they didn't go back. No, they Did never they, got they, to go back. They've been trying to get back. They've been trying to get back because everybody wants to go to the Worldly Series. Right. Yes. So they've been trying to get back, mm-hmm. um, occasionally veering off course, mm-hmm. but trying desperately to get back. To touch a dick rock to take them to the Worldly, worldly Series. Worldly Series. And so what happened as, as we're recording yeah. prior to release... What happened yesterday? Joe Madden found a dick rock. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the Cub song, so I'll just go, Bear Down, Chicago Bear. All I know is this. Go Cubs, go. Go Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are gonna win today. That's that's all you know? That seems pretty that's solid. quote, all I know. Hey! Hey! Welcome to Podlander Drunk Cats, an Outlander podcast. I am Allison Shoemaker. <laughs> and I'm Julie Starbird. And this is Janine. Hi. Uh, and we are here today to continue our season one rewatch, talking about episode 1.8 both sides now both sides which is literally. both an indicator of what this episode shows and the name of one of my favorite Joni Mitchell songs really also known as the song that Emma Thompson weeps to silently in Love Actually otherwise known as the only scene in Love Actually that doesn't involve a small child but is still good <laughs> it's pretty good it's pretty good Oh, oh, no, you just, you know, the majority of our listenership is female. Um, raise your hands, folks, if you haven't seen Love Actually. This is a safe thing for me to do. Julie, I know you haven't, but this is a safe thing for me to do at a podcast. I raised my hand. Because for even though I can't see you, I guarantee they're all, nobody's raising their fucking hands. <laughs> Everybody's seen that damn movie. I'm watching the scene right now. I'm tearing up. Janine loves this movie. Yeah. No, uh, so. He has actually said to me, uh, I think I'm just going to go home and watch Love Actually <laughs> in a month that was not December. I, that's happened. That's happened. Uh, anyway, both sides now to give or take and still somehow. Also, I want you to know something. What? The deer from the credits called me. Mm. What? And he asked us to quit trying to contact him. <laughs> because he has too many things going on right okay, now. Okay, all right. Well, and he just he just doesn't have time. God, that would have been such a good interview. Yeah, he appreciates he appreciates our fandom. 
and wanted to know if we wanted to sign Glossy. Okay. Well, we do. But he told us to, you know, quit Facebook stalking him. Okay. Well, if we can't get him, I mean, I guess we'll just have to try to get Terry dressed back instead. Okay. It's a, um, <laughs> I don't it's know. It's fine. It's freaking lets me we down. We thought but. we couldn't find a bit. You had that one waiting? You had that in the chamber? I was waiting until the show started <laughs> because that's when we see the deer oh, is right. in the credits. It, speaking of long previously on. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It was a lot extra of long. Oh yeah. Because they had to do both Frank and Claire. And as Rupert would say later in this episode, all the lasses tell me that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's got a we couple get a, of We get a Highland, that's what she said in later in this episode. Anyway, this, in addition to both sides now, I decided to call it the Frankensode <laughs> because it is both, it, well, first of all, it's alive. And it's cobbled together. Second, it's cobbled together from many different pieces. And third, it, it's a lot of Frank, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Um, it's a depart. This is a departure. Again, I've read the books. Julie is not. It's a departure from the books because we just don't see or hear shit from Frank mm-hmm. in all the in-betweensies. And I know that we'll get to this at the end, but the um, Ronald Moore section at the end when he talks about the episode <laughs> was enlightening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. I didn't watch it because oh, Julie and I watched separately this week. I'll let We've you know. learned a couple of things. One, we really like watching together because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Two, that usually involves a hangover. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we didn't watch together this week. Although, don't worry, we probably will at first. So we start in a police station. Well, first, the like weird flashy thing is a oh, map. Yeah, map. And I looked at the map and it said Shire on it. And I was like, wait a minute. And I had to stop for a second. I was like, did I accidentally start fucking Lord of the Rings? And then I looked over and saw Inverness and I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh, is Shire really There's also like a, a basket. There's a basket. A basket on just sitting on the map. And uh, a coffee cup, which is presumably filled with whiskey. Um, <laughs> because uh, that's one of the first things we see happen. We're in this, mm-hmm. we're in this police station and some copper, mm-hmm. some um, blue shirt. Fuzz. Fuzz. The fuzz. <laughs> Um, he's walking into work and he's all like, Hey, Doris, how you doing? Yeah. And then there's the asshole smug butt cop who's on the phone, like, Yes, how long has she been missing? Welcome to your house. I'm like, That's the guy that everybody gets on 911. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Although, you know what? Usually when you hear a tape of a 911 call, it's a woman. That's true. And she's very compassionate, but no nonsense. Right. This but- guy was obviously like rolling his eyes back in his head and it's like, you suck. Yeah, he's the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> mm-hmm. But he does have, he's, he's the worst except for one thing. He has something in he's his drawer. He's got a special drawer. <laughs> he's got a special drawer, which has a bottle of scotch whiskey in it. And the cop saw like, ooh, time for me to do some covert police work. And then he completely non-subtly, like, like inside his jacket, kind of pours it into a coffee cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hilarious. And then he starts, and then he just walks over like he's drinking coffee, and he sits down across from Frank, Mr. Randall, who the smug butt cop said he's back again. So we know he's been coming into the cops a lot to check on Claire's. And the guy's case. like, "Today's the day. Today, today, I put my big Scottish drunk foot down, and mm-hmm. I got to go back to writing speeding tickets for horses." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and shutting down illegal haggis operations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh God, there's just no, there's no fun way to make a cop joke these days. So. <laughs> it's pretty rough. It's like, it's, I'm just like, let's, no, let's what's the Scottish equivalent of a donut? I mean, I guess that's still safe territory. A Patsy. A bannock. A bannock. <laughs> yeah. God, I just want to I eat went some to more Dunkin' Bannocks. Bannocks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Jeez. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, he sits down. If if any law enforcement officers are listening to the show, we value your service. Thank you. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Yes, but I'm. If you're listening to the show, you're probably a okay. Except yeah. for you, you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> And you know who you are. You know who you are. <laughs> um, oh, God. Sorry. So anyway. he sits down, and Frank is very serious. And he's got sick burn after sick burn in this thing. He is. He Frank is, is ready. He has had it. He is stone cold. He has had it up to here with the likes of the ineptitude of this Scottish police yes. department. The, my favorite of his many sick burns, and they're not fun in the way when you get to season two, folks who are watching with us for the first time and you meet Fergus, you'll understand what we mean by sick burn because Fergus mm-hmm. and Myrta are the, the kings of the sick burn in season two. However, Frank's got some good ones in here, except for they're totally joyless. He takes no pleasure in the art of the burn because he's so sad. But yeah. I especially like, I don't know, the cop's like, I don't know what you want from me. And then he takes his coffee and <laughs> drinks it. Uh, and Frank's like, well, you could do your job. That's a thing you could do. That's that's a thing that's what do. I would want. Then later, he's like, I understand you're disappointed, Mr. Randall. And he says, oh, no, is he disappointed? implies that I had a level of expectation that was not met. And no, this is, you've completely fulfilled my expectations. My level of expectation was very low, and you have met that. And it's like, oh, well. It's kind of like Grandma Shade a little bit. It's like, I'm disappointed. Yeah. I'm disappointed. And then the cop uh, stands up and yells at a poor grieving dude, and he just generally sucks. And And he goes back to nursing that, oh, coffee. He's (laughs) like, your wife fucking left you you insufferable british prick (laughs) so get out of my cop shop so i can drink more whiskey get out and frank just he's just frank loses it he is not having it Mm -hmm. and the dude gets a little freaked it's like sip that coffee bitch well because scottish that's so scottish (laughs) you know what he sees because frank loses it for just a second and this is the first time in this episode, and we see it a couple of times in this episode, mm-hmm. where you get to see a little bit of the beige, beige in the eyes. Yeah. Just a little bit of black rage and anger. Just a little bit. Just a shade of it. Because Tobias Manessin is, is very good mm-hmm. and can just like, just like dollop it on there like cinnamon on top of a latte. Just like boop, boop. And so you can see just a little bit of it, and it's enough to scare the shit out of that drunk-ass cop. I think his Golden Globe nomination was for the first season. Mm -hmm. And if I'm right, and I'm pretty sure I am, if I'm right, I guarantee this was the episode that put him over the top. Oh, for sure. He's not great throughout. I've written it like five times in my notes about how good he is. He's really, really good. He's just incredible. He's he's a really, really good actor. Who knew? Everybody should just watch everything he ever does, because he's really good. Tobias Menzies. Thanks, Janine. Shut up, Janine. Um, so then we go. But he did one, one shout out. He had a great tie on. Just wanted to throw that out there. Well, Frank's always a natty dresser. It was like blue shades of blue Cubert. For those of you who get what that means, that means you're over 32 years old. I'm over 32 and I don't know what that means. Oh, man. Maybe I shot too low there. Cubert is a video game that was a 3D oh, square thing. Yes. And so his his tie has this weird reflective thing and it's like navy and light blue and it's all like boop, 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 but it's like kind of severe, but also very, it's weird. It's like perfect for the, it's, 
Terry Dressback. It's perfect oh, for that scene. My God. Are you looking up Cubert right now? I am. I, I had the Cubert quilt. R.I.P. Cubert quilt. You just died, and I loved you so much. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And, and we're back from Julie's morning. Her bedding. <laughs> Man, uh, that quilt lived in my house for twenty years. Hey, so quilt. speaking of things that that were knit. Mm-hmm. God, Claire's got a good rap in that first scene of yes. hers. Yes, then we she jumped, has so that, then we were back in Scotland. That incredible, well, I mean, in Scotland, the but. incredible, like, navy blue Ooh. scarf blanket thing. Yeah. Yes, I wrote about that and gorgeous. how gorgeous it is. Uh, speaking of gorgeous, she's sitting next to that fine hunk of haggis that she's got there. Mm-hmm. That um, Cornish game cock. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to call him. Because, oh, God, well, what I'm saying is anyway, that he's a very attractive man. He looks man. very hot, and she looks very hot. Because bangs. He's got bangs. I thought yeah, of Eugene. You know what? He's got good hair in this scene. Yeah. He's got not goofy and hair, good hair. And they're like in the mist, so it's all wet It is. Stuff. Everybody's a little bit moist, including me. <laughs> and they're on this beautiful overlook, and there's this great Scotland porn, and they're both kind of cuddled in their own Scottish woolens. And they're having like... Just a serious chat. hand sex while a they're good, having this yeah, chat. Yeah, it's they are hand. They're giving each other great hand it's jobs. Like this. It's like this. Anyway, and by hand jobs, we mean literally. They're like massaging each other's hands and stroking each other's hands. Yeah, it's and hand sex. He, <laughs> Jamie's like he. He says, "I know that you know a lot more about men than I." And I'm like, "I'm not saying you a hooter." Yeah, basically he goes, listen, I don't want to call you a slut, but, but uh, you know a lot more about boning than I do. So is this, so I have a question. is this normal, what we have? Is this normal that every time I touch you and blah, 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 you know how it is. And Claire like tries to be. She means she really likes it, by the way. Translating yeah. for the for yeah. those listening at home. <laughs> blah, she means she blah, really blah. Likes it. Niceties, bullshit, whatever. <laughs> she loves it. And then <laughs> the, she's like, uh. She takes a moment and she actually thinks about it for a second. I'm like, Claire, come on. <laughs> well, first she says, you know, it can be like this. It's often like this between a man and a woman. And he's like, oh, oh, okay. Well, that's uh, that's disappointing. disappointing. I really right. thought I was taking it. And then you there. she just sort of trails off and then goes, no. <laughs> no, it's not usual. And you can see, see in his face, he's like, then why do you look so sad about it? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because she's still married, bro. It's because she's still married to a guy that she still loves. And now she's fallen in love with you. And, and it's hard. And they're totally about to do some uh, picnic fucking. Yes. <laughs> Which I didn't know was a thing. Das Picknickin'. <laughs> Picknickin'? Oh, oh, that's the title. Don't about... look that up. Do not look that up on your computer. Oh, hey, it is a German porn. Oh, God, I thought you were... <laughs> No, it's like a German's cat porn. God, that's like telling telling someone not to look down. Just don't don't do it, man. So they're they're about to get picnicking. I can't believe I got to use that joke. I love you, Susie Suarez. I know you'll listen to my show. Um, So they're about to have, they're they're about to um, push aside the cheese and the uh, probably moldy flatbread and fuck. Get to the sausage. Uh, When all of a sudden, and arrow goes Fring! like 10 feet from their oh, heads. Oh, it took me like 15 seconds to get that joke, Julie. <laughs> nice job. And it, oh. uh, the arrow lands like 10 feet from their heads, but in front of them so they can see it. And it's like this, oh, what the? And Jamie's like, stay here, don't move. And then he goes over and he looks at the arrow and then he licks it, <laughs> sniffs it, throws it in the air. And he's like, I know whose arrow this is. 
I think in reality, he just he looks notices at the, there's something he looks tied at the to the end. He looks at the... Uh, and he's like, oh, ha-ha. I know whose arrow this is. He burns some sage over it. <laughs> and then he threw some spell. stones over it and danced around it three times. He, he took some to burn entrails, <laughs> tossed him around. He looked up to see how the birds were flying. And then he, and then he checked the position of uh, Jupiter in mm-hmm. relation and to... And then he was like, oh, I know who it is. It's human row. <laughs> Which, by the way, is Hugh... Monroe, Monroe, not not human human row, not human seed fish eggs, which is what I always hear it is. I hear it as it's human row. That's what I heard. It's Hugh Monroe, which kind of makes me think of. Uh, And I want to give this dude a little shout out. You know, I liked him so much. I looked him up in advance. Excellent. Also, Mm -hmm. I'm glad I did because his name is Simon Meacock. (laughs) It could be Mia Cock. It could be Mia Cock. I, I think we talked about him in season two. It could be Mia Cock. Mia Cock. Mia Cock. Simon Mia I think we talked Mia about Coke? him in season two. Oh, Mia Cock. Mia Cock. I bet it's. Ma. Ma. I bet it's something more like Macock. Macock. <laughs> Oh, man. I just looked up his character picture, though. We talked about him in season two because he He's shows up very real, briefly. Yeah. Oh, he plays yeah. a big part in one episode in season yeah, two. Yeah, but he, he is a man that underwent some torture and had his tongue cut out in a previous oh, yeah, war. I'm, right. I'm really but he's friends with Jamie, and he's got something to say to Jamie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> not to say. Well, which is, to again, sign. to so to give this guy some praise that doesn't involve making filthy jokes mm-hmm. about his last name. Um, Macaca. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's just really good. You totally believe like there's no sense. Sometimes you watch someone play a character who's in any way differently abled mm-hmm. and you're just like, oh, this is fucking showboating. Mm-hmm. And then you watch someone like Marley Matlin, who's actually differently abled and you could tell, oh, well, this is real. This is they did the right thing and they hired a differently abled person to play mm-hmm. a part, whatever. I'm not going to get on that particular soapbox. But in this case, this is an actor who I mean, I guess I've never seen him in anything else. He might actually not be able to speak, but his IMDb page is real long. Sorry, hiccups already. Jesus, we've been doing this for 10 minutes. <laughs> so he obviously has worked before. And what I found really interesting God, about his portrayal is that obviously he had been able to speak and then had had his tongue cut out and cannot speak anymore. But the way that he tries to get his point across or to speak, you can tell he's still talking. In his mind, yeah. he is still talking. He can still hear the sounds that he should be making. And he makes sounds. Mm-hmm. But it's very guttural. But he's also taken kind of a rudimentary sign thing happening that Jamie understands from him. But the way that he... You can tell that in his mind, he still hears this, the mm-hmm. sounds that he's making, which is really interesting yeah. and cool. And one of the, the thing I appreciated about it is even more than the moments when he's trying to communicate, um, it, I particularly noticed it when Jamie is sort of telling Claire this, his tragic backstory, mm-hmm. is he doesn't look in any way uncomfortable. He doesn't no. look embarrassed by the story he doesn't look angry he doesn't look ashamed it's already happened it's just sort of he's just looking at her clearly and it's i just thought it was a really mm-hmm. really solid i was impressed scene. by that moment as yeah. well um he also and he's got real pretty eyes he does have beautiful eyes mr meacock 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 he uh he didn't know that jamie was married jamie introduces claire as his wife Simon, uh, sorry, Hugh, Hugh, I was about to say human. <laughs> Hugh is so excited that he um, says that they all have to, well, signs that they all need to have a drink. And he, oh, I have a gift. I have a wedding gift. And he reaches into his 
What do the Scottish men call the little sporin. bag? Sporin. It's a sporin. I he, saw one in the flesh today. Thank That's you. a bad way to talk about a kilt. I saw I saw a, a sporin in person today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a kilt-clad gentleman, all with complete with the frilly socks and the whole whatever, wandered into provisions. And he had a sporin, but he but he used a backpack. Is it the guy that was at Probably. social a couple of weeks know. ago? I don't know. There were like four dudes who wandered around in kilts in our neighborhood. I was just going to say it feels a little weird. Like you shouldn't say in the flesh, but sack. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, snaps. Yeah. No. So in he, person. Anyway. He reaches into a sporin and pulls out this dirty little rag and, and then unwraps dun, dun, it. Dun. Guess what it is, you guys? It's a dragonfly in amber. It's his mm-hmm. tongue. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Janine, you just broke Julie. And I, well, it's so funny that you said that because he pulls it out and shows it to her, and it is this enormous chunk of amber. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, shit, Hugh, sell that shit and buy yourself a new tongue. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, somebody, somebody can sew that shit on. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. You might sound like this. But I, I know that's rough. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, boy. Oh, but also, so anyway. But it also shows that this character doesn't care about... Like he's been carrying this thing around with him forever that's worth so much money. And, well, he's, and he's obviously he's a beggar. He's a right. beggar, but he's also obviously not impoverished. Right. He's right? doing okay. Like he's got he's got his arrows. He's got badges from all the different townships so he can beg wherever he wants, which means that p- people like him mm-hmm. and he's cool. But it's also like, dude, seriously, you could that's a lot of money right there. Well, all right, here you go, Claire. Here's a dragonfly in amber that's gonna come back and bite me in the ass at the end. <laughs> Yeah, but mostly just as a title, right? We don't yes. actually see the actual Dragonfly no. and Amber yet, do we? No, it's just when she says it as a line. Over and over and over again. And we were just like, kill me, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, but, but Hugh and Rose come with news that there's a dude. Mm-hmm. Hall. Hall. rocks. Hall rock. Whore, no, two, he holds two, up. Whore, he holds up rocks. one rock. And then he holds up two rocks. He points at Claire. He points at Claire. And Jamie goes, whore. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) That's That's not not what happened. happened. (laughs) But that is funny. (laughs) And then he just two rocks. But Jamie understands. And Jamie does not go, balls. (laughs) 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 Jamie completely understands Hugh and his kind of made up sign language. And Jamie also understands how to do the signs. And I'm like, surprise, surprise. Jamie's good with his hands. (laughs) Move on. Um. And then this is where I'm like, Claire's scarf blanket is tops. Oh, it's great. <laughs> She's also got the little wristlets mm-hmm. still. Uh, this is all. So we also find out that Mr. Horrocks, who saw, claims to have seen who actually killed the lieutenant that Jamie is on the hook for, mm-hmm. uh, is also a, a red coat deserter. Which means, mm, means can we trust a, him? We don't know. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a, well, we couldn't trust him if he was a red coat. But being a red coat deserter is not better and maybe worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we flash back to Reverend Wakefield trying to make Frank feel more like a man. Yeah, he's trying really hard. They've got the maps. Mm-hmm. There, there's no biscuits on them, but biscuits are involved because Mrs. Graham shows up. God bless you, Mrs. Graham. I love you, Mrs. She's Graham. the best. Who plays Mrs. Graham? Mrs. Janine. Graham is. Uh, Tracy God, she's good. She's really good. She shows up with the tea tray, and then guess who runs in after her? A tiny little cherub-faced boy. He's real good. Can I have that biscuit? Named Roger. Can I have... Oh, you want Ro- Roger? You want another biscuit? You little... Can I have a biscuit? Yeah. 
but there you he is. fat fine you, peg. You, you little fat ass. I'm going to give you as a rent. <laughs> um, and then uh, Mrs. Graham starts handing out teacups and she tries to hand Frank some tea. And he says, you know, I think I need something stronger. What he needed was a fucking teacup full of whiskey. So he should really call that police. He should just hang out. So he goes into town and Frank goes to a bar and gets, you know. Oh, we should also say that the Reverend's current working theory is that Claire... Go, oh, yeah. fell into a river and got washed 20 feet, 20 miles down and then didn't know how to find her way back. So she found a cave she could hole up in and live off of fish and frogs. This is Reverend Wakefield trying to make Frank feel better because, right, Reverend Wakefield yeah. at this point is not ready to say she left you for another man. Yeah. He's like, this is and something Frank that could have had fish and frogs for seven weeks. And he's like, she's a strong woman. <laughs> She would have called on a military training. Yeah. Survival skills. So after hearing this bullshit, Frank's got to go get a drink. (laughs) We should also mention, because I think we skipped over this, that in the police station, they have a poster of Claire with a photo on it with a reward. And next to it, they have another poster with a police sketch. Of fucking Sam Hewen. Like, you, so we've all seen the moment where Frank sees the Highlander, the mysterious and it's Highlander. And it's from behind. It, mostly. And then he, he does turn around. But, but goddamn, that's the best police sketch artist in the world. Because here's what Frank was capable of saying. He was really tall. He had red hair. I think he might have had a nose. And I just sensed that he was fiendishly hot. I can't believe and how like, hot oh, he was. Hold on, hold on. I've got it. Hold I've on. Got it. This got is it. what it looks I've like. It. This is what it... Well, because we all know that Sam Yuan is the definition of the perfect man. That's right. So that's basically what Frank's like. So Frank's like, like, just yeah. draw the perfect man with red hair. And if you blue could eyes. just try to ma- just make me feel as insecure as possible, that would be great. <laughs> just do that, and then yeah. put him in a kilt with the little uh, clip hat. here, and you know what they had and on the slouchy hat on the brooch? What they had? I noticed this in the wanted poster. They had circled the brooch like five times, so they were on the lookout for the Je Suis Prey brooch. Oh, so that's interesting. But so. Yeah, they brought in a bunch of handsome Highlanders, and they were like, no, this is all Cookie Monsters. We need <laughs> one just with play. These are the wrong brooches. Cookie Monster, Cookie Monster, Grover, Cookie Monster, <laughs> Cookie Monster, Abby Cadabby. Oh, God, is that it is. What's the little red guy? Elmo, get out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's important because... Frank goes into this bar. He said it's probably fucking Ted Danson or somebody back there. He's just like everybody knows his name, mm-hmm. including this mysterious woman who sits down next to him. But first, um, you can tell that he's drunk because his hair isn't perfect. It's messed up, and also he's got a little bit of a swerve when he comes in to pick up his glass. Yeah, but he's also, a real good. He's a real good TV drunk. This woman comes in and sits right next to him, and I'm like, oh, it's this Scottish Sigourney Weaver. Oh, she does look like she looked exactly like a young Sigourney Weaver, but with blonde hair. And I was like, uh, is she about to call Zool? (laughs) She was just waiting for a tiny feral child to show up. Yep. (laughs) And she sits down next to him and she's like, are you still looking for the Highlander? And she knows his name. You can call me Sally, but it's not my real name. So don't ask. And he goes, okay, Sally. And then like looks at her ass for a second, which I appreciate because honestly, Frank at this point is like, well, she's going to run off with that hot dude. I'm going to fuck anything that moves. I'm going to get this Sally. Um, And then she's like, I know where this Highlander is. If you want to follow me, don't come by yourself. Bring the entire reward. Bring the reward. And it's like, 
oh, there's nothing shady about I this. I just want to remind you all that Frank worked in intelligence yeah. and he still fucking shows up, which still to me says one of two things. Either this is a flaw with the writing, which I think in this one case might be true. Or, and this is the more interesting option, Frank just really wanted to beat the shit out of somebody. I think he knew. I think he knew it was a shady situation and that there might be a fight because obviously he had his tiny little butt plug billy plug on him and was ready to go, <laughs> which we'll get to it. His billy plug, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, more ham sex. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so they're sitting by the fire, all the Highlanders. It's nighttime. Uh, and Rupert's telling a story about a seahorse and a wife and some fire some and builder. Like a builder. And there's something about he, the wife is always cold and she needs a good fire to heat her hands and fry her fish. And they all laugh. And I'm like, is that a pussy joke? I think that's a pussy joke. But I don't really understand. I don't understand where they were going with that. I think maybe they don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I think that yeah. I think most of those dudes... I have don't, no idea. They I don't really get it. I reached for the grocery bag on the ground to grab a Miller Lite that's right in front of me. <laughs> you guys have only had one. Well, let's have it too. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Rupert is telling the story, and and Jamie and Claire are having like cutesy, cutesy, chatsy, chatsy, blah blah la 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 la. I'm in love. It's almost a cutie. When by the time we get to Larry Brock, it's almost cutie. And she's like, "Do you hang stockings by the fire?" And he's like, "To dry them." And she's like, "Never mind." Fuck it. I thought what I missed was hot baths, and I don't know, like. Clean, clean body parts. But what I actually miss is an orange in the end of a sock. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was gonna say. <laughs> Why is a that always the thing? Why is that always the thing though? Back then, it was fruit was the big thing, right? Yeah. Oh, like you get an orange. You're like, I got one growing up every year. It traveled. A I would also get miles that to terrible get to you. coal candy, which <gasps> it would be way more interesting if I just got coal. Oh, I don't even I mean, know what that stuff. is. Oh, it's like they it's they sell it around the same place. They sell the little gold coins and mm-hmm, shit. Mm-hmm. It's just it's usually like um like a Nestle Crunch in ball form. Like it's like okay. rice crispies and chocolate, ra- all lumpy looking, wrapped up in black tin foil. You know, in I, a little sack. I really wish that possibly my family had put more coal in some people's stockings. Ooh. Can I make a confession about those gold coins? Yes. Yeah. First time I saw them, second grade, I legit thought they were real gold. <laughs> <laughs> and I was legit disappointed when I found out they were chocolate. You oh, were you're sad. just like Ron Weasley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cute. So they're having this cute little Christmas chat, and then all of a sudden, a horse goes, Luca! And everyone goes, <laughs> that's, a, that's a direct quote. I had the close caption on. The horse goes, Bluka! And everyone looks around. And you can see that Claire is startled because well, and they all, all of a sudden. look around basically with just their eyes. Yes, there's this no scene movement. Is so good. There's no movement, but all the guys around the campfire all of a sudden are on alert without And you know who moving. the best one is? Rupert. Rupert, because Rupert Cause he keeps telling the story. Stop. He doesn't stop for a second. His tone stays light, but he like real subtly gets his fucking knife out and he's got it in his hand by his side and he's still going then the horse went into the water and he then he ate some potatoes oh wait we don't have potatoes in scotland yet um the whole time and And everybody's kind of like really quiet about it and claire's like what's going on and jamie's like there's somebody here 
Don't take move. this giant fucking knife. Here, take and this go huge sword. Hide by that rock when I say go. And they're all like holding, waiting, waiting. And then he tells her to go. She runs. And then there's a big fight because there's some highwaymen or brigands coming to try to steal their grain and their money or whatever. It's the, oh God, I can't remember the name. It's the, in the books, they make it clear that there's this other clan where they're all constantly trying to steal each other's cattle and shit. The, mm. like, let's call them the Jessica McClintocks. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember the name. But uh, so you see them. I paid more attention to this fight than I did the first time I watched this episode. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of things to notice. First of all, I don't know for which side, but one of those dudes is just fighting with a torch with a lit torch he is and he's just hitting some dude's shield with a lit torch and it is really cool one that would freak me out i wouldn't want that it's fire pretty cool. to my face two everybody gets in on the action and it's really neat um and you just see like uh angus figures out that somebody is going to be going for their food supplies so rather than fight someone he just runs to the food supplies and like sure as shit yanks somebody out of i don't know their wheat bin or whatever the fuck it is <laughs> so everybody's got a plan and it's really cool Three, they're stealing stuff, right? So they make way with a horse and some bags of grain, and you see people stealing bags of grain. And at one point, I think it's Dougal is fighting somebody, and the guy's got the jump on him. And from like 20 feet away, Ned shoots him. That's right. And I have a theory that amazing Ned Gowan, the reason that he takes such deadly aim, I mean, the guy doesn't die, but like precise aim, is because they were stealing something. And not one of them thought to steal the fine fat pigs. <laughs> and there were pissed. fine fat pigs there for the taking. Like, just take the pigs. You're not going to take a pig. You You're not going to take a pig. You like just take a pig. All take right. a pig. Shoulder shot. God Bam. damn it! <laughs> and then the brigands, highwaymen, whatever clan, Jess and McClint- McClintock clan guys realize that uh, they've got a gun, and they're like, and, and they all run away. Um. And it's real. It's, and then after that, Jamie's like, no, it's okay. Everyone's fine. And then all the guys start laughing. And I'm like, why are men so weird? It's a nice moment. I know, but it's nobody also- got hurt. Yeah. No, it's this. It's because I know it's because nobody got hurt and they got to like I, get I their the blood up a little bit. It's partially because Ned made a point of bragging he about did the say, fact. Did you see my that shot? He shot one dude. <laughs> did you see They're my shot? They're all fighting with their fucking knives and their, their skin dudes, which we'll get to in a second, and their <laughs> shields. And somebody's fighting with a torch and they're all hand to hand combat. Ned shoots one dude in the shoulder. And, and in the silence, he goes, if that was one, one, pace it was 20 paces <laughs> and everyone's uh, like, <laughs> nah, nah, the like lawyer. <laughs> guys are weird guys are- yeah uh back in the future mm-hmm. we're back to frank frank's got his police butt plug his stick. billy billy, billy, plug. Plug. billy plug billy plug his billy plug but he hasn't pulled it out yet because he's walking down the street he's, in the rain. It is round dreidel <laughs> it is it did look like a round dreidel though yo <laughs> A dreidel that doesn't spin. You try to spin it, it just goes dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. You don't do a fucking thing. (laughs) (laughs) So he's walking down some street in in the town. Sally. He meets Sally, and it is raining balls. It's not like misty, pretty Scottish evening. It's actually a downpour. It's like Chicago rain. And chubby rain. And (laughs) she is at a corner, and he comes around the corner, and she's like, oh, Mr. Randall, blah, blah, blah. And he's, I I thought you'd be here earlier. And he's like, I believe I'm right on time. She says, I didn't think you were coming. He says, I believe I'm on time. And she's like, I thought you would have been earlier. And I gotta say, Frank, on time is late. Come on. So Frank rounds the corner with Sally. She takes him into 
Sally's Alley. Not really, though, just actually an alley. And then um, there's a door and she like points at it, like kind of ineffectually, like that way. And then he starts wandering that way. And a guy comes out and tries to take a swing. Frank's ready. And then another guy. And then another dude comes out and then out comes the billy plug. And it's he's Frank is ready for this fight. He obviously is angry and sad about Claire and needs to let some aggression go. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the beach in his family tree that enjoys a little bit of making people suffer. And he truly beats the ever living shit. At first you think he's just like, and it, you think it's like, Oh, it's cause I forgot. He's like a world war two James Bond. I completely forgot. And first he knocks one dude out. Then he knocks the other dude out and you think like, oh, well, now he's going to yell at the woman, go home. No. Then he turns around and goes back to the first dude and just start. First, he kicks him right in the nuts. Then he just like wails on him. And the woman is screaming and screaming and screaming. Then he stands up and starts choking her out. Yeah. He pushes her up against the wall and chokes her like up against the wall. And it's like there was never a Highlander. Like Vader style. But with instead of just using invisible for, oh, it's the force. It's called the force. The it's force. Called, instead of using magic, um, he uses his hand. Yeah, but and still, he it's chokes her thing. out, and she's freaking out. And then all of a sudden, he realizes, oh, oh my god! And he kind of lets her go, and then stumbles away. But he let himself go into the dark side uh, from, for a minute. From that, really like fun thing, we go to. Uh, an actually fun thing, which is uh, <laughs> when the next morning they're talking, they're, we're back in the, the past, and uh, they're talking about, oh, wasn't that skirmish last night so fun? Uh, and they're searching for the giant fucking sword that Jamie gave Claire, because in the two minutes that there was a big fight, she lost it. Women. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We have the little mini scene where Reverend Wakefield reminds him about evil. And oh, then yeah. it goes back, okay. which is so it, I, I wouldn't have mentioned it, except that Reverend Wakefield's little thing is so beautiful. Oh, and he does such a good job. Yeah. So Frank comes back from beating the shit out of these guys. And Reverend Wakefield's like, there's evil in all men. Uh, and how much you take in is how much you give out. And they made he made an allusion to the Nazis. Yeah, the the thing that struck me about it is he says that you sometimes you taste all there there is good and evil in everyone, and sometimes you taste evil, and it tastes delicious in some way, and it convinces you that it's good when it's actually not. The mm-hmm. Nazis did that, and they thought the whole time that they were filling their mouths with something sweet. And Frank says, you think I'm drinking from the same cup as the Nazis, mm-hmm. basically. And Reverend Wakefield says, there's only one cup. And they Evil drank only has long one cup. and deep, and you just had a sip, but I urge you to not have another, basically. And my thought was, it would have been nice if there was a Reverend Wakefield around when BJR was coming up. Yep. I'm just saying, Beej. Where was your mentor? Who plays R- Reverend Wakefield him. there, Janine? Yeah. <laughs> he probably would have killed him. Yeah, there probably him. was. And uh, then he, and then he turned his back is, into a uh, crunch oh, game. I was actually, I want to say that it's played by James Fleet. And uh, as you described him uh, making up this fiction of, of Claire living in a, uh, <laughs> a, cave a cave with frogs. His picture on IMDb makes me go, yep, he'd be the actor to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so he has this frogs. nice little scene with Fesh Frank as frogs. Frank is coming off of this incredible like horrible thing that he just did but you know what those guys suck i'm sorry they got the shit beaten out of them but 
don't don't, don't fuck do with that professor if you're <laughs> feeling that evil perhaps you need to step away and mm-hmm. frank correctly interprets that as the reverend saying you should get the fuck out of inverness yeah you gotta get this out is of here. turning you into a terrible person you don't need to be in this place anymore this place is go and, back to oxford and go on with your and life. also possibly your wife is gone yeah and maybe it's time you should let her go like she's let you go right yeah right it's rough and i actually at in at the end of this scene said tobias mamesnesis is very good at his job as an actor (laughs) (laughs) he did a really good job Mm -hmm. they both said so then and then we get then we go to uh they're looking for the giant fucking knife that claire lost in like two and a half minutes because she ran away and dropped it like a jump (laughs) women women Um, i mean you guys i mean come on You'd lose your vaginas if they weren't um, strapped inside you. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> anyway, um, and they find it and, and Dougal, somebody says like, uh, oh, no, she says, oh, well, it was too long and heavy for me. Right. And that's when and Rupert's Rupert all says, like, lasses say that to me all the time. And it was a, a historical. That's what she said. <laughs> said the act- said the actress to the bishop. That's the old one. That's the old British one. Anyway, Patty. Lasses say that to me all the same. And then as they're discussing like, oh, well, what she, Dougal says, and he still looks real grumpy, but he's not hitting that. But he says, oh, she needs a skin do. Like, aye, she needs a skin do. It's like, what the fuck's a skin do? What's a skin do? And then out comes the, uh, oh, God damn it. I stepped on my own fucking joke. <laughs> out comes. Chekhov's sweaty dick dagger. Because <laughs> if it shows up. It's the, it's the dagger of dick sweat. Dick yeah. sweat dagger. If that shit Chekhov's shows up. Dick sweat dagger. It better get used. Right. So, right. and it's, and that's it's the Ned rule. That's Chekhov's rule. Uh, he says, well, it's a small dagger that you can hide on yourself. Most people keep it in their sock, but I keep mine in a more personal place. And he reaches inside his kilt and pulls out this tiny knife. And Claire's like. Okay, and she just takes she it. She takes his dick knife. Probably, whatever. like, wipes her hand on her dress. Yeah, but it's pro- the blade is Don't probably worry, she's three covered, inches long. She is covered in pre-cum right now, Yeah, anyway. she's, and she's covered in <laughs> pee. She's yeah. covered in, like, dirt yeah. pee. She's got pre-cum, disgustingness, and got, also... She's got fluids all over her. She is also being constantly renewed by Highland porn, so, like... Yes. It's yeah. fine. She's yeah. fine. Anyway... So then uh, they get Angus to try to teach her how to use this thing. <coughs> and it's really funny. And he does a really good job. Oh, he Mr. Miyagi's the fuck out of it. Yeah. He's teaching her how to use a short blade knife in close combat. So Ooh. like if somebody comes up on you. You have to go underhand unless you've got uh, the hide on them, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're aiming, here's where you aim in the chest. Here's where you aim in the back. They use Willie at one point, and that poor kid, he's having the worst road trip of his it life. It is pretty bad. I just wanted to go to Orlando, guys. That's you guys, where's this the is, wizarding world of Harry Potter? Like spring break, come on. Um, so Claire learns to use the stagger, and it's really funny, and she's got this excited look on her face. It's cute. But and gee, then, I wonder if Claire's going to need this new secret dagger she has. Who knows? And then we flash back to Frank getting ready to leave Inverness, and he's looks over and sees Claire's immaculate fucking suitcase. Throws it on the bed, opens it up. Nobody packs a suitcase like that. Nobody. It's like a serial killer's backpack. It's fucking, it's everything is perfectly. I mean, she was in the fucking army. I guess, I guess. But then he starts pulling things out and there's a photo of them when they got married and it's obviously very difficult for him. So it's a silent moment of 
Tobias Menzies killing it. Muslos. Just annihilating. <clears throat> uh, then we're back in the past. And I said, Frank is unpacking her suitcase. Claire is unpacking Jamie's balls. Because <laughs> they are straight up doing it oh. in a field. Oh. And it's like sneaky newlywed sex. They're pretending that they're gathering herbs. But they're really just fucking. And they're giggling. And at one point he says, I understand why they call it a sacrament. Because I feel like God himself when I'm inside you. And Claire rightly fucking laughs, laughs her, her ass, ass off, off at him at him and he's like oh are you laughing and she's like um it's pretty obvious that i am and then he says oh well then you'll get what you deserve and he starts hitting it extra hard and that is something that they both enjoy <laughs> yes and you're like oh good i was ha- i was hoping for another fun sexy romp in this episode and then it is not fun and sexy no then you hear a little gun click and standing above them two red coat deserters in those and they're extra grody and gross and they pull jamie off of claire and it's not clear whether or not they even recognize him i think they just because i think they don't i think they're just like i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna fuck this bitch i'm gonna take Mm -hmm. your sword and they pull jamie off of her and put the gun to his head and then the other one's like I'm going to have my turn at her. And then the one that's got Jamie with the gun is like, oh, I'm going to keep him here so he can watch. And so we get treated to the pre-rape of Claire. And it is like slow-mo. It's, God, it's all from the, these horrific Claire's perspective because she's laying on the ground. So you see all this stuff happening in slow motion where this guy is like coming towards her. And it's she can see Jamie in the background like struggling. But obviously he's got a gun on his head so he can't do anything. And then you see her close her eyes kind of and you know what's coming. Skin do. <laughs> she's about to go full fucking rocky. And she's she rallying in the that final fucking round. Knife out and stabs that guy in the motherfucking kidneys like twice, like Edward like, James almost style. <laughs> she just like, shivs. You him. know, spoiler. If you have, if you've never seen Breaking Bad, this would be a good time to to plug your ears for like fifteen seconds. You know, in that final season of Breaking Bad, when Walt sets up the like simultaneous assassination and shivving of like seven different people in, in all these prisons. In prisons. And every time they stab him, it's like <laughs> like silent and real fast. It's like that, just like two. And then this guy goes and falls off of her. And the other guy with the gun is rightfully surprised. What? And then Jamie takes a jump on him and beats the shit out of him as oh, the gun goes slits off. slits his throat. Oh yeah, that's right. Grabs like, him and just slits, slits his, his throat and throat. drops him. So both of them are dead. They just killed both of these people. And Claire's, and her boobs are still her out. Her boobs are out, everything. She is obviously in shock. He picks her up and it's still all in slow motion from her perspective and they're carried horrifying. away. And then it's her like trying to be normal again and she can't and uh spoiler alert for those of you who haven't watched before that is not even close to the most upsetting rape or almost rape scene in this season yeah not even close no contest yeah it's awful Mm -hmm. there's no competition Mm -hmm. anyway uh then we're back to the future Yep. Uh, where we're about to experience emotional devastation of a different kind. Mm-hmm. Which uh, Mrs. Graham is finally like, listen, you're going to let me talk to this dude because I know what happened to this woman. You're going to let me tell him. And the reverend is like, I'm not letting you fill his head with your bullshit, lady. <laughs> Take your Stevie Nicks and go elsewhere. <laughs> and then, uh, Frank is like, um... It's it's a it's an old house. I can hear every mention of Stevie Nicks that's made in this house. What did you want to tell me, Mrs. Graham? And Mrs. Graham sits him down 
and gives him the 411 on, on the, the dick, dick rocks. rocks. She's like, these stories have been happening for a very long time. My grandmother told me this. My grandmother told me these stories as her grandmother told her. These stories get passed down. There's the story of uh, on certain days, certain people disappearing through the rocks. And Frank has a has a problem with particle physics there, and he's like, I through the rocks. She's like, not not into the stones, but. Through time, you can see it's got another. It's going to be obnoxious how frequently we're saying this, but it's another scene where Tobias does such a good fucking job because you can't actually tell what he's thinking. Sometimes it think he it looks like he's, he believes he her. wants to believe her. So sometimes he seems like he believes her. Sometimes it seems like he wants to believe her. And then there's sometimes, sometimes it seems angry. He's going to punch her in the face. Sometimes really sad, sometimes a little bit grateful. It's like, but it's all and his face so, doesn't move. I know it's all so subtle, and it's all right here. It's all in his eyes, and maybe a little bit in his jaw because he is a jaw actor. Right. He's, he's got a jactor. He's a jactor. He's got a little jaw going on here, but it's really focused in his eyes, and it's so clear. It's very clear. But she also says sometimes they come back. And, and when she he tries to make to leave, that point over and over again. He Listen, says, wait, I'm wait. going back to Oxford today. And she says, did you not hear me? Sometimes they come back. And he says, I heard you. I just do not share your beliefs. Which is so kind because he keeps himself from actually lashing out at yeah. her. I just do not happen to share your beliefs. And you can see, because, and at one point she says, even if it costs me my position, I have to tell you this. But then you get a real, and this relationship is, comes through a little more clearly in the books. But you can tell, even though he's really angry that she's told Frank this, Reverend Wakefield, the second that Frank says that, reaches out and pats her on the shoulder and is really compassionate. And like, obviously, she's not going to lose her job. Mm-hmm. But it's just a really, all three of them, I think, are great mm-hmm. in that scene. Um, but I, I, I just thought about this. Reverend Wakefield at one point is like poppycock and superstition or something about it. And I'm like, you believe in uh, virgin birth? <laughs> he also doesn't in the, for, in the pilot, he talks about how he doesn't like to discount superstitions and you mm-hmm. don't want to um, stir up the ghosts and right. shit. So he does have... But a woman going through a dick rock is a bridge too far. That is just too much. But a woman being impregnated from a cloud yeah. is acceptable. <laughs> acceptable? Acceptable. Anyway. That uh, was for you, Neil. Anyway, buddy. So uh, <laughs> then we cut back to Scotland and Claire is fucking weathering heights thing all over oh, the hills. Oh my God. She's it's walking a back shot. and forth. Her dress is still sliced open. Yeah. And she has this incredible voiceover, which usually I hate the voiceovers on this show, but this one was really good, where she talks about how she knew as a professional healer, as a professional nurse, she knew that she was going into shock and she was trying to stop. She was trying to like center herself, but that her mind was bouncing from thought to thought. And some of them were so incongruous and weird but that's exactly how yeah. you would be in Uncle that moment Lynn cigarettes like Errol what they smelled Flynn like Errol Flynn in a, in a movie like all these just weird the feeling thoughts. of my dagger tip puncturing the kidney and how she can't calm her mind because the thoughts are just coming like little fireflies one way to go another. catch them mm-hmm. you did a great job yeah she's great uh and then, you know, Jamie is obviously worried. They're checking out the bodies. There's a scene where Dougal and Murta say, like, hey, so these are Redcoat deserters, so maybe you shouldn't go meet this dude by yourself because you're totally going to die. 
So because Horrocks was also a red coat deserter, yes. so he could also be a shitbag like these dudes. Yeah. Let's go with you. So they all decide they're going to go together. It's the only time, maybe ever, that Murta and Dougal agree on something. Mm-hmm. It's also the Pamplemousse's only line this episode, and it's a good one. He had something about the knife, though. He had something oh. about the scheme, dude. Oh yeah, I, I, I think I still think the only suitable weapon for a woman is it's poison. poison. <laughs> <laughs> you and know Dougal what? says yes, but it lacks something in, co- in combat. Poison, yeah. poison works though. Yo. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Silently. So then we flash back to the future or past future. And Frank is walking out of his guest room and leaving Claire's suitcase behind. So he has made that decision. Goodbye, Claire. Which like shitty. What are they going to store in their attic now? Yeah, I don't know. Or yeah. Mrs. Graham is going to get a sweet ass new pair of brown leather glove because that shit was on point. Yeah, those were some great gloves. Mm-hmm. And then we flash back and. Everybody is going to try to leave Claire in the woods with Willie. Like, you stay here. Little Willie, Willie won't <laughs> go, go home. home. You can't put Willie down. Willie's got to poop. <laughs> Sorry, that's coming up. So they're going to leave her there with Willie. And Jamie's like, you promise me. You promise me that you'll stay here. And she looks at him and she says, I promise. <laughs> She's got another voice over here about how she realized that she's angry, not because of the red coat deserters and not because Jamie couldn't protect her and not because he was leaving her, but because she got so wrapped up in the incredible fucking yeah, she and did. all that hand sex. I mean, how could you and not? Like, and all the rest of it. Like, obviously there are smooshy feelings involved, but then she got so wrapped up in all of that that she forgot that her whole plan was that she was going to try to get back to Frank through the stones. So mm-hmm. she's mad at herself. Mm-hmm. because she forgot that she doesn't belong here. And now she remembers that and she doesn't belong here. Willie says, I have to go take care of some personal business. And she goes, 50 yards away, please, downwind. And he goes, all right. And then and he, just, he, he kind of waddles off. It's, <laughs> it's, to, it's a total poop run. He does like a... <laughs> and then she just starts wandering, and she's thinking about all those things, about I'm, not, I'm mad at myself, I just wanted to get home. And then she looks up, and... And she has a little voiceover and she says, and suddenly there it was that final shot from the opening credits. (laughs) There they are. The The, dick rocks. Those dick rocks that I've been looking for. And she she was so fucked up from everything that happened that she didn't even realize where they were. So she takes off running. And at about this time... We go back to the future, and Frank is in his incredible convertible, Sweet blowing ride. out of Inverness. He goes past a sign that says Craig Nadoon this way, five miles. He goes past. He's listening to some radio about World War II. Ma, 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 ma. It's actually because I was watching with closed captioning because I was at work. Whoops. Um, it's actually a report on the death of General Patton. Ooh. Who knew? But this is apparently the day after Patton dies. See, I gotta so. say, as an aside, this is why I watch most shows with those captains. You catch some really weird shit they put in there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So he stops <laughs> because he has just pulled past that Craig Nadoon thing, and something makes him stop. We know what it was. The dick rocks. And then he's listening to the announcement of Patton's death, and then these this young couple zooms past him on a motorcycle. But he has heard the siren song of great peen. And he sees it, and he's like, ah. Oh. But he can't stop himself, so he throws the car into reverse, throws that sweet, sweet convertible into reverse, and then goes up the hill towards Craig Nadoon, which, as we know now, Cra- uh, Cla- um, 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 Claire. 
Claire in the past is about half a mile away from and is running towards. What a kawinky ding. And then he gets there and he's running towards it and they cut back and forth so because Frank, both of them are running there, to, um, great By the way, Janine is really in Oh, he's this. riveted. Because I'm hoping for a sweet split screen at some point. Uh, uh, the, no, there's no. a shot you'd love though. Oh, there's okay. no split screen, but so... Yeah. Okay. Frank, when he gets there, he's looking around, thinking I'm such an idiot. Mm-hmm. He walks up to the biggest dick rock. Everybody does, though. And he falls to his it's knees magnetic. and starts weeping. And yeah. it's just horrific because Tobias Manessis is very he's good at very his good job at as his an job. actor. <laughs> um, uh, and then he's like uh, crying in front of this giant dick. And he looks up at the, <laughs> at the head. Mm-hmm. And he yells, Glans. Glans. And Frank, and then and Claire's running towards Craig Nadine, and all of a sudden she just fucking hears. Him. She can hear it, and she goes Frank, and he can't hear her at first, and then all of a sudden he can hear her, and she can hear him, and he's like wandering around the dick rocks, like trying to figure out where the fuck she is. She's running, she's running, she's running, and in those skirts, that's not easy. No, and she's got like UGG boots on. And yeah, she's I know. Running. Weirdly, she does have just like flat ass boots um, on, and she runs, and she's and her hands are outstretched. She runs for the dick rock. And it cuts to like, oh, the shot that I, is at some point when he is yelling Claire, it backs up from him. It pull, The shot pulls out from him. And you can see her running up the hill. It's beautiful. So it's the time split. Like, oh. yeah, you Same see place. them both. Oh. Yeah. It's one of those shots where you think like, man, I wonder how they did that. And then you realize that like they're not actually in different places. So all they had to do was just shoot her running up the I hill. I do have a question about it, though. Yeah. In her time shots. All the trees are much more thatched and grown and like young trees and there are Mm -hmm. more of them. And then in his time, there are less. So is it just that they had two separate dick rock setups that looked exactly the same in two different locations? That has to be what they did. No, because there were more, there was more undergrowth. There were more younger, smaller trees. I would guess that the dick rock setup is the same but they mm-hmm. have different like establishing shots around in the woods like different woods or something maybe ah man it well, just looks like about, they're in different places you're talking about young growth too that's yeah. easy, that's easy to set okay yeah. so it's they were just like throwing like they just took some branches bushes and then go, and like uh, 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 yeah <laughs> because it did it's it's in Claire's time way back in the past it's way more verdant and young and like undergrowth yeah. and then in Frank's time it's a little bit clearer because they've cleared those those fields and there are bigger larger trees Janine's dying in suspense here so she okay. stretches out her hands she t- she's about it to touch the to rock. black and then all of a sudden you hear her go no and you see two fucking British soldiers are dragging her away from the rock those and coats. she's still yelling no in those coats she's still yelling no and you can hear Frank going Cla- Claire? 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 and then what? he's like God, I'm losing my fucking mind. And he goes back to his car and goes back Demons. to Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I want you to I want you to think about this, Janine. Think about how frustrating that is for you having never seen a Frank and Claire scene when you've just watched 52 minutes of fucking between her and somebody else. And that gives you a fraction of a sense of how conflicting this episode is to watch as a person who's seen all of it. Right. Cause like, obviously Mm -hmm. you want Claire and Jamie to be together and you know, because of the show you're watching, like, you know, that's what's going to happen, but you still, because Tobias is so good. You're still deeply empathetic for him and you understand that she still loves him. And it's so, it's just really well done. Mm -hmm. Anyway. uh, So then Claire gets in, thrown into the fucking paddy wagon. 
Where is she going in her bumpy ass ride? She's like, I, I smell something on the wind. Uh, the putrid scent of the beach. Beach. She knows she's being taken to Fort William. One way ticket to beach town. <laughs> she has to go deal with him again. And she's like, the only um, advantage that I have is that he doesn't know I'm coming. That this was a uh, surprise take. And uh, the only thing I have is that I have this time of the journey to plan what I'm going to do. Well, yeah, but well, hers is uh, an see. dick. You'll see. You'll well, see. Yeah, that totally. comes. It, yeah. it comes back later. Okay, totally. So she um, ends up in his room, and he's talking to her, and uh, he's obviously still a fucking dick bag. And but I want to make one little point here. Yeah, I have. I think this whole scene is great and really scary, and they're both really good in it. Um, and it's well written. Blah blah blah. All that shit. Uh, Claire, <clears throat> <laughs> I have some in, things to say to her too. And the second episode says that she's learned a major lesson. The lesson is don't accept food and drink from an interrogator who's trying to put you off your guard because they're trying to make you feel comfortable so that you'll spill more information. And also, she got so hammered that she totally fucked shit up at Castle Leak. Also, don't give any more information than you absolutely have to, which she just, she almost had it, but she was so close, but then she's so proud of of herself. All right. She just keeps going. As our friend Allison says, a number one, why would you ever accept anything from from that guy? Like never. I don't care if he's drinking. He might've put, he might've like put it, taken some kind of anecdote. Like don't take anything. Poison the inside of your glass. He might've fucking peed in it for all you know. Like don't, don't don't take anything from this guy. Like, no, just refuse to drink it. If he forces it down your throat, that's one thing. But like, just refuse to drink the fucking wine. That's one. Two, even if you assume it's safe, you've already learned. Don't get hammered when someone's interrogating you. You've already learned this. And like, you've been surviving on sex and moldy bread for weeks. Like you're not in a position. <laughs> moldy bread drunk. is like penicillin. So that's like curing the diseases. So really you could go for a while on that. Okay. But anyway. Anyway. And three. You gotta, you have to, t- the whole thing was you have to tell the truth as often as possible and lie only when necessary. Right? So like. She's got her one advantage and her big play is that she's going to, she's going to throw out there that she knows. And it's a guess because it was just Frank and the Reverend's hypothesis that she knows that the beach works for the Duke of Sandringham, mm-hmm. who is protecting him from the army when he's doing really bad things. Yes. And we yeah. haven't met the Duke yet. Just yeah. Wait. Oh God. Just wait. He's so good. Anyway. Uh, and she says like, why don't you ask? Well, he asks her some question. She's already drinking like a fucking idiot. Like idiot. Uh, she says, why don't you ask the Duke of Sandringham? And he immediately spit takes spit takes all, all over his, his cravat. Yeah. She goes, oh, dear me. I do hope that won't stain. And he's pissed. So he has to go clean that up with cold water. It's good. That's good. He knows. Right. So he's trying to figure out how to deal with her. And she just keeps talking like a fucking idiot. <laughs> Most of it, I think she gets by, you know, there, but she just she says, keeps at the, haven't you guessed that we're both in the employ of the same great man period and, done. I'll write to him. Oh, well you could, 
But then you'd be admitting that you've been fucking up his plans. The better thing to do would just be to get out of the way because obviously the only way I know this stuff is because we're working for the same dude. Not great, but whatever. He is obviously, there's enough doubt that she's bought herself some time, right? So she's getting ready to walk out or he's getting ready to walk out. I don't remember. And then he says, well, and, but when you say the Duke of Sandringham, you mean his wife, right? Because everyone knows the Duke's like strong right arm is his wife or whatever the fuck he says. She goes, oh, well, we haven't met, but we have corresponded. <laughs> and he's like, oh, but the Duke of Sandringham never married. And then, bam, Slug closes the door. Well, no, she tries to run away. She realizes her problem, and she's got the door over there, and she tries to go for it, but then there's young Sweeney Todd in there, the shaver boy, <laughs> and he stops her way, and then she gets pulled back in, and he's got rope in his drawer, because of course he does. What kind of gentleman keeps rope in his drawer? And then he ties her wrist behind her back and forces her into a corner, and then realizes... Does, is this when he sees it? No. He p- pushes her up against the wall, and then he's got his knife... And he's going up her laces on the front of her her dress. And every time he says something, he'll cut a lace. A waste of perfectly good laces. He could reuse those. Yeah, you could. And he's like, he must uh, go through boot laces. uh, uh, And cutting them all the way up. And then it flies open and her boobs come out. And it's like, great. There are boobs again. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) And then he grabs her and throws her over a table and throws her skirts up over her back and then sees that she's got a skin deal in her belt no shoe it's shoe i'm oh, sorry boot boot is what yeah. i meant not I'm under her drunk. balls yes in her boot <laughs> and he's like "Ooh, kitty bites or whatever he says some <laughs> shit about having sharp claws he pulls it out and puts it to her fucking throat puts her own knife no to her nipple, nipple. oh shit to her nipple is it sharp and then he's got it right on her nipple and he's about to put his dick in her and then He's either about to put his dick in her or slice her fucking nipple off. One or the other. Probably at the same time, both. God, there's a joke I really would love to make about slicing a nipple off that I can't make for reasons I can't go into. But those of you who, there are people listening right now who know exactly what fucking joke I was about to make just because (laughs) they they understand the reference without me having to name it. And, uh... I hope that you guys are enjoying the joke you're hearing inside your head because I can't fucking say it right now. I'm laughing. Because of, of Julie. You see, yeah, you're, you know what I mean? Nope. <laughs> Even better. Janine's just laughing because uh, nipple slicing, it's his thing. <laughs> it's what he yeah. likes. You know, you know what I love? A bowl of vanilla ice cream, a night at home with the cats, and a good nipple slicing. Different strokes. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Westworld. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah, that's very possible. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's some wiring underneath. Anyway, yeah. um, so he's about to slice her nipple off when bam, window opens, shutters fly open. Guess who it is, Janine? In the window of a tower. Is Tom? No. Oh, human roast Tom. Hilarious. There. <laughs> just Holding in the a window. giant piece of amber. <laughs> just in the window. Just a tongue. No, no. It's um Julie, what are they called? The the knee thigh thing that Neil the likes. Fuse. So our patron saint of fuse, fuse. Jamie Fraser, 
holding the gun, big ass shotgun. And he says, "I'll thank you to be taking your hands off my wife." Oh yeah. And I forgot about this from my first time, but then it shoots back to Beach about to anally. I don't know, but sex rape Claire and he sees him and he's like, <laughs> good God. And he laughs. And I, I, I love that moment so much. It's so weird. Cause it's just like, no, it's, it's black Jack Randall just being like, I, I can't believe it. You know what he's thinking? I can't In believe his head, Here's you. exactly what he's thinking. I'm going to translate into a modern context. Mm-hmm. Here, th- this is what goes on in the Beej's head. He looks at him, he goes, my God, weebles wobble, but they don't, don't fall, fall down. down. <laughs> weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. <laughs> All right. And that's it. That's where the episode is. Oh. Boom. Oh. And Blackout. then, God, what do we, it was like a four or five month break. Uh-huh. Between seasons? Uh-huh. And by seasons, though. So season one... Was broken into two yeah. parts. So there was season 1.1 uh-huh. 1. 1 and season 1.2. 1. That's the end of season 1.1. 1. 1. Mm-hmm. We'll be doing a little wrap-up episode at some point here. Um, I mean, it's the next one you'll hear, so when we record it, it means nothing to you. Yeah. Um, but, you know... The, mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, Patty. Um, yeah, so I will say this. It's a great ending, I think. In the afterwards, like specials on Outlander thing, Ronald Moore talked about how different this was than the books and how the character of Frank in the books is not as strong as the character that they have created in the show because Tobias Maness, Maness is incredible. And he said, we basically made this episode to mess with the book fans. Oh, <laughs> did he really? Yeah. He was like, we knew that people who were fans of the book were going to be like, what? Why is this happening? What? When they were both running towards the rocks, like that entire sequence was made to mess with fans of the books. And I'm kind of like, Ronald Moore. Respect. Gangster. <laughs> I see you, man. All right. Adaptive choice gangster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's it. And then there was a long wait. For the wait for those of you who are watching for the first time will not be quite as long. Those of mm-hmm. you who watched it the first time around will remember. Remember that long wait. And those of you who've been reading the books the whole time will be like, you fucking lame ass wimps. <laughs> I've waited years for the next one. Um, but god it's a great ending I remember Mm -hmm. thinking like oh holy shit it's a really good episode yeah and that last shot is really thrilling but the whole episode is terrific Mm -hmm. yeah so scales Mm -hmm. Um, let's start with ye old costumes Mm -hmm. all right so on a scale (laughs) well I couldn't say Ken Burns baseball now because that's the that's the drink one, but I've mm-hmm. got baseball in the brain, so I was going to be like on a scale. I guess the costumes are great in Ken Burns baseball. Mm-hmm. Anyway, on a scale of um, let's see, we spent a lot of time on the road, so let's go um, the road <laughs> to uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Okay, where does this fall? Well, the costumes aren't as good as they were in Fury Road. No, those are some. So that's costumes. like the high. That's the high level. They yeah. are better than they were in. The road, because, and they're pretty great in general because we got all those great Frank era great costumes, knitwear, and don't forget Frank's the Cubert tie. tie, the Cubert tie. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go higher. 
I'm going to go, what's another traveling movie that's, oh, oh my God, The Trip to Bountiful. Oh, okay. All right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go uh, with The Green Mile, Ooh. which is, there's, that's a, there's a, a mile. It's a road. <laughs> they travel that route. I, I've got Tom Hanks on the brain. Down um, it to yeah, the chair. It's, there's a, yep. Mm. <laughs> Uh, but that's got, you know, period specific things mm-hmm. and then some of it's pretty heightened once you, it feels heightened mm-hmm. anyway, cause they're not aware and official costumes. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. All right. So, uh, next will be the bone matrix. Ooh. All right. So that sounds like a wonderful movie. Oh, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> Come on. Oh, well, there's gotta be a porn of the matrix called the uh, bone matrix. Uh, there's just, if what? not, um, excuse me, California, I've got a great idea for you. There's got to be a porn of the Matrix, but it's got to be a pun on the Matrix. Listeners, fans, what is the name of that film? The Vajatrix? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just Twitter that shit to yeah. us? What's At the name of that movie? What's, What's the name of that movie? Excel. Porn, porn yeah. Matrix us. Um, <laughs> Excel. <laughs> all right. So let's go. Speaking of the Matrix, one of my least favorite sex scenes in all of cinema is in, uh, what's the name? Whatever the fuck the name of the Matrix sequel is. That's the second one. Reloaded or whatever. Matrix Reloaded. It's whatever. Bullshit. There's a really bad sex scene in there where Keanu and Carrie Ann Moss are fucking well. Oh, there's shit. a rave. Yeah, there is. God, that's a bad sex scene. It anyway, is. so we'll go not Matrix memorable. 2 fully loaded. That's not what it's called, but that's what I'm calling that it. That should head. be the porn name, though. Yeah. Um, to, uh, oh, God. Well, what's a computer movie with a good sex scene in it? Uh, this is not it. No. Lawnmower Man. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, lawnmower man? That is a deep pull, bitch. <laughs> sorry. We'll go with I that. saw that shit in the theater. Oh damn. And I'm sorry I did. That was two hours of my life I can Uh what about um I don't know. Weird science. Okay. Well, but it is all about sex because Kelly LeBrock is everywhere. Right. Okay, let's do that. With her underboob. Yes. Yeah, which is hot. Um, let's say there was some, there was some good boning in here, but then there was also terrible rape boning. And actually there wasn't, there wasn't rape boning, but there was also the sexual threat, like, and then the, the hand sex. Don't forget the hand sex. Yeah. Children of a lesser (laughs) God. Oh, wow. I'm sorry, everyone. Well, you made your choice. I'm sorry, and okay. I'm not sorry. Yeah. Um, I, there's no way I can top that, so I'm not going to try to. Uh, okay. Laugh. How often you can get up to get a beer? Um, never. No, I would never. I this one. This one actually. May I recommend? Oh, please to everyone. If you like wine, just have a bottle with you and your friends. Whatever. You don't have to drink the whole bottle. What are you, a lush? But you can. But you can. Whatever. No judgment. Oh, come on. You're going to think you're not going to drink the whole bottle. But then then you you totally totally will. (laughs) But you should just have it there. If you'd like a firsthand account of the damage that that just kind of decision can reap, just go ahead and listen to what was it like? Episode three of this season? (laughs) It was either episode two or three. Or Dude Lander Part Two. Dude Lander Part Two. Yeah, but we're not hungover, and that wasn't wine. No. The hangover is but what it was, I'm talking it was, about. It was being drunk. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hangover. hangover. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, I, I actually watched it today with about, it wasn't a full bottle of wine because it already had some of it and saved it for later, but it was probably about a half a bottle of wine. And I didn't leave the room. I didn't leave once. 
Yeah, but it was a really good episode because they were playing D and D in the kitchen. They were playing D and D in the kitchen, but I mean, if I needed to get up and do something, I could. It wasn't like I was interrupting anything. I just thought that this was an extra good episode. This probably. Oh yeah, but well, Julie did yeah, determined probably, that she didn't need a scale. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Good. It's it, a very good episode. It probably might be in my top three episodes of season one, I'm not part sh- one. Oh, season one. Well, in my, season one, part one, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not sure it would be in my top three episodes for season ever. one total. But in the first half, oh, if yeah. I was to rank eight to one, this one would be in the top three. I would do the wedding, the gathering. And this one mm-hmm. would be my top three. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a really good episode. It's so great. I'm saying, and it's probably top ten from this series as a whole so far. I'm saying um, for my scale about drinkability, um, you're not going to want to get up. We've already used speed a million times. Yeah, but it's a classic. It's a classic. One? Yes, oh, please. please. Last Mohicans. Last Mohicans. Oh God, I, I would get up all the time during yeah, Last Mohicans. Yeah, Last Mohicans. So, he's so like he's running so. Yeah, much. but there's so many long stretches where it's like about the politics of that. Uh, uh, what about um? Mm-hmm. What about hey? This is appropriate. What about Back to the Future? I wouldn't get up during Back to the Future. No, I wouldn't. No, and Mm-mm. it's appropriate because of the how many times we said back in the future. Yeah, and also appropriate because um, Biff Tannen and um, a certain baseball club and a certain world um, worldly series. Yeah, let's not jinx it. What ifs? Either the Biff Tannen part or the baseball part. <laughs> Fuck the Biff Tannen part. <laughs> This this episode is airing after that thing. I know. That's fine. I know. That's fine. <laughs> but we're not going to jinx it. We're not jinxing anything. We're we're using other words. We're using code. Worldly. Anyway. Worldly series. <laughs> the worldly series. Um, uh, thank you so much for listening. We, as always, have to flip back to the partner notebook where we include the list of people who are currently donors, even though we, there we go. Uh, these wonderful people include Amanda Newton, Beth Locke, Friday Peyton, Jen Lander, Drunklin, <laughs> makes me laugh every That's time, awesome. and Kathleen Moniz, as well as our other patrons who are giving at lower levels. Thank you so much, including brand new patron Molly Mullen. Thank you. Um, the, your support through Patreon makes this show possible because it is really expensive to pay to put this shit online and then also get drunk while you do it. <laughs> so thank you very, very much. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at PodlanderCast and Facebook at Facebook.com slash PodlanderCast or, I, I don't know, by showing up in Rogers Park one day. We talk mm-hmm. about the bars we go to often enough that you could probably bump into us at random. We're there. So that's it for this week, unless you have already seen season two and want to spicker, stick around for the section we call Je suis spoiler, mm-hmm. uh, where we're going to talk about a couple of little things that we don't want to talk about without ruining season two for folks. So uh, if you are one of those people, then stick around. And if not, then you're great. And bye. Bye. This is the part where Janine plays music, but because I'm feeling punchy, I'm gonna do it instead. There's a thing, and then something, something goes. I did not can something. Then they go to a castle where they take the pot. Can. All right, that's enough, right? Okay, great. Uh, welcome to Je suis spoiler. Um, first things first, we know who that 
little kid is. First things first, he's the realist. <laughs> first things first, he's a realist. Oh God, I can't. I know. I'm sorry. It just happened. So anyway, Roger, we get a glimpse of Roger in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they picked, first of all, a really cute kid to play him. Mm-hmm. Also, they, they do a good job of balancing all the people who've read the books who know that that dude plays a really big part in the show later. Mm-hmm. And the people who haven't are just like, Oh, that's a cute kid. Cute it's kid, not whatever. like it's not Chekhov's uh, sweaty dick dagger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not a total giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of that little scene? You take anything new from it now, knowing that Roger shows up? Uh, no, not really. Other than that, he's there. Other than that, he was uh, aware of Frank and knew Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's all. Yeah, they do a shot where you can see him like forming a memory in his giant guileless kid eyes. <laughs> Truly, yeah. While he stuffs a biscuit in his fat ass mouth. What a fine fat we brought out. <laughs> anyway, um, the other thing we wanted to talk about was Frank kicking the shit out of those people because yep. now having seen season two, what it reminded me of was that scene where the beach beats the shit out of his brother's dead body. Mm-hmm. It was it was like that. It if wasn't quite serves, as brutal. It's but... shot in a similar way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously. Um, has some things to work out, mm-hmm. some anger issues, some rage issues, yeah. some aggression issues. Uh, uh, but yeah, he, he really goes to town. As a person who hasn't read the books, and I'm not going to give you any indication about mm-hmm. what comes next, other than to say that we will be seeing more of Frank, which you could probably guess yeah. since. Yeah. Anyway, since we've got like, I don't know, 30 years of, or I guess know 20 years of Claire's life that we skipped mm-hmm. right um do you see do you anticipate seeing more of that from Frank or not I anticipate that Frank is always at a slight remove after what happened with Claire mm-hmm. I anticipate that he is happy to have her back and loves her but that he is always maybe a little bit on guard And that maybe that translates into some withholding. And I also anticipate that maybe not with his, with the daughter, maybe not with Brianna, but with Claire, that will translate into a little bit of marital sadness, like something like not. But you don't anticipate violence. Not, not violence, but definite possible psychological manipulation and possible psychological abuse, maybe not even that far, but I, I, I do think that he, he has it in him and he's been pushed whether or not it's, whether or not it's worth it for him to do it is another thing. Mm -hmm. I I think that he's been scarred and that he might use it. On that incredibly cheery note, I don't have anything to add to that because first of all, I've read the books and second, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a good, Observation. I mean, I think like the show does a really good job of me. Ma- I guess I do have something to add. The show does a really good job of making it clear that Frank is a fundamentally decent human. Yes, being. he's good. But he also has something within him that is a little bit cold and a little bit harsh. And I think that this experience will probably pan out to spread across their marriage a little bit. I it, think that's a fair. I think that it, it won't be horrible. It won't be like being married to Blackjack Randall, it, but it will be not the way it was. That's yeah, my guess. I think that's a fair guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Well, that's it for now. If you are a person who has seen season two and you have questions specifically about the first half of season one and you want us to talk about them, 
uh, let us know and we can cover them in a, in a future segment of Just Spoiler. Spoiler. All right. Bye. Bye.